Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Hi, welcome to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Rydent. My co-host Tim is away on holidays, so today I've actually got an interview with a friend, Dr. Ed Drulo, who is an expert on postmodernism as it relates to ministry, and we're going to talk about postmodernism as it relates to disciple making. And this is a two-parter. It was long enough, we split her into two parts. So this is part one of, of two on postmodernism and disciple making. Enjoy. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Ride, and Tim Beadle is on holidays. Uh, so I've brought in a special guest today, Dr. Ed Drulo, who I've gotten to know through pastoral ministry, through transitional ministry. Welcome, Ed. Yeah, good to be here with you, Darren. Really it's excellent to have that. you here. And just to, to get going right out of the gate, why don't you give us just a brief bio of your, your life and ministry? Uh, sure. Be glad to do that. You know, <clears throat> I'm from a farm in central Manitoba, close to where you grew up as well. Uh, I think you're from Flinflon, right? Yep, sure am. And and I grew up in a little place called Asher in the in the uh, Interlake region there as well. <clears throat> and I felt a call to ministry early in life, really, <clears throat> in, in many ways. And uh, just uh, I don't know, there were various ways in which I sensed that God was leading me in that direction. And then when I moved to British Columbia and we came to Chilliwack, I really had a sense of call because of missionaries that came through there and shared about um, their work. Uh, and that was pretty exciting. And I thought, you know, uh, I want to follow the Lord as far as ministry is concerned, thinking cross-culturally at the time. And then uh, later uh, we moved into uh, Vancouver and I started attending uh, what is called 10th Avenue Alliance Church. and. Uh, it was during that time that uh, I became aware of a, a disciple-making group called the Navigators. Mm -hmm. And uh, they invited us, some of us who were in the youth ministry and so on, youth group, to a leadership training program at Timberline Ranch Camp near what was then called Haney or Maple Ridge. <laughs> and uh, that in, uh, began a, a connection with this group of people that really had a huge impact on me as far as uh, uh, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, uh, because they really taught me uh, through that program and then later um, through um, my association with it, that continued for several years. And it was because of them that I ended up going to university at UBC just to do campus ministry and so on. But they really taught me how to get into scripture and how to begin to apply it to my own life. And uh, that was the focus in many ways. And then they really emphasized what they called man-to-man -man ministry, uh, seeking to connect with the individuals to help them grow in their spiritual lives. And I did that uh, in regard to some people. And of course, I was part of a small group where we learned scripture and learned to memorize scripture. But the big thing was the application to one's personal life in, in very personal ways. Uh, but, you know, what happened during that time, Darren, was that, uh, you know, I was so involved in the navigators and, and the navigators in some ways were critical of the regular church ministry because they felt that not 
as much was happening there. So this became a concern of my parents as well as my uh, pastor. And uh, so I, I withdrew and uh, then decided to follow my uh, theological studies at uh, Kenya Bible College in Regina. And um, because I had begun uh, the university program and the, the, the Bible College was starting a seminary program, I decided to finish my university program in Regina and then continue on with seminary. <clears throat> Um, and so while I was at uh, university, I got involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which was a whole new opportunity as far as ministry was concerned and uh, the way they uh, did things. But uh, really was excited. I ended up being a leader there for the two years that I was on campus or for the year that I, uh, at least a year uh, as far as leadership was concerned. But in any case, that was pretty significant. And then I went on to seminary, got married during that time. And while I was in seminary, uh, I developed a close mentoring relationship with someone. And that person was involved in ministry at a church in Regina. And through them, I became, uh, I got hired by the, by the church to uh, do youth ministry to begin with. It was Hillsdale Alliance Church in, in Regina. <clears throat> and so after I graduated, I continued with the church for another year and a half or so. And then I went on to, uh, my wife and I went on to North Battleford, Saskatchewan, to pastor a Alliance Church there. And we were there for eight years, and that turned out to be very positive. So uh, a new building constructed, and, and uh, church doubled in size and all of that. And uh, people came to know Christ and came into the church. And then we were in Saskatoon for about three years, and uh, we're in a building program there as well. And uh, that was a more challenging kind of situation. And so we uh, finished sooner there than uh, expected. Finally, we ended up in uh, Prince George, British Columbia, and we're there for almost 20 years in pastoral ministry. And before I finished in pastoral ministry there, during which time also another church began uh, from our church. But near the end of my time there, I enrolled in a <clears throat> doctor ministry program at uh, Trinity and, uh, in Langley to begin with, and then finish that off in, in uh, Trinity in Chicago at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Wow. And the focus of my ministry during that time, or my doctoral dissertation, was on transition for pastors. And because I was concerned about how that was happening in people's lives uh, who were in ministry. And as a result of that, I began a thing called Second Wind Ministry in order to uh, come alongside and help pastors who had gone through difficult transitions of one kind or another and did that for a while. And then that uh, emerged or that sort of developed into transitional ministry for churches. And so I've been doing that for the last 14 years or so in about as many churches in Western Canada, from Kitimat to Saskatoon, from Fort McMurray to Cranbrook yeah. <laughs> and at all points in between. And I'm involved right now in a, uh, Transition Ministry in Three Hills, Alberta. Uh, you, you covered some ground uh, geographically as well as ministry-wise. Significant impact of parachurch in your life, it sounds like, developmentally. You yeah. Know, navigators and IVP, you yeah. know, and how that kind of fed into your ministry. And that, obviously, they have a very strong, explicit disciple-making 
you know, focus that, that certainly has shaped your ministry. Yeah. What I want to do Ed, is, is mention your book as well. In the midst of all that, somehow you wrote a book, uh, Thoughtful Adaptation to Change, Authentic Christian Faith in Postmodern Times, and really want to tap your wisdom as it relates to disciple-making, as it relates to postmodernism. Now, you, in your ministry uh, life, you know, over the years, you've seen some pretty big changes in culture. Uh, pretty big changes in the way the church and culture interface. How would you, how would you summarize the shift that you've seen in your, you know, from the time you started in, you know, even ministry or preparing for ministry to now, how would you define and describe the shift? Well, the simplest way to describe that is the change from modernism to postmodernism. I very much grew up in a modern kind of world uh, thinking in which, uh, uh, there was a strong emphasis on uh, scientific research and uh, objective uh, reality and uh, logic and so on, and the importance of, of uh, the rational mind. And so the importance of scripture and how we, how we um, understand scripture and analyze scripture and so on, that was a big part of my life. And that also carried into how we did ministry. Ministry was very very structured. <clears throat> there was, a, you know, very, um, very much a uh, form as to how we proceeded, even in in preaching and in uh, ministry itself, how we did counseling and all those things. Uh, so the shift um, sort of took place uh, midway through that. I began to see a change in the way churches were structured and the kinds of things that were important. So, for example, we saw a change in worship styles and ministry and much more emphasis on uh, uh, contemporary music as opposed to hymns, for example, uh, the tremendous uh, importance of visual arts uh, in, in worship and uh, even in preaching and so on. So um, those are some of the things that I saw as changes. So, for example, we, we no longer had a Wednesday night prayer meeting and moved more into small group ministry and leadership development for small groups and prayer in that context. Or a Sunday evening service wasn't as important. People just became busier, for one thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that I reflect upon in the book, especially, is how there was a change that took place from sort of rationalistic thinking to a more of an experiential kind of uh, way of thinking. So, um, you know, moving from reality as objective truth to reality as one perceives it. Mm -hmm. Uh, This means that everyone more or less creates their own reality. Uh, so these are the kind of things that I, was, uh, I began to notice as far as postmodernism was concerned. And of course, I studied this to some degree during my uh, doctoral program at, at uh, uh, seminary in uh, Chicago. Uh, and so the, the whole thing about personal experience and so passion and emotion became more important than the rational ways of doing things. Um, everyone became it has become more sensitive to criticism and judgment as well as discrimination. So those are some of the things that um, we see as becoming more significant in postmodernism. Passion itself is the is the new modus operandi, mm. uh, so to speak. And all of this affects 
I think how we think about church ministry and then ultimately how we think about uh, making disciples, evangelism and discipleship uh, as well. So uh, that's particularly perhaps what you're interested in as far as how that has impacted uh, my own thinking. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of what you describe is is uh, uh, not necessarily uh, an issue of right or wrong. Uh, we, we, could, we could argue about experience versus truth, certainly. But in terms of some of the shifts that you've seen, they're not they're there are a lot of them are amoral in some senses, but it does create a challenge for disciple making. And 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 how would you, I mean, you, you summarize kind of some of the shifts. What what has had to change or needs to change for us to be more effective in making disciples in light of postmodernism? How does that change our actual approach on the ground with individuals? Uh well, um yeah, I think um there's been a significant shift from what I would call an evangelism focus to more of a disciple-making focus, which is a more holistic way of Mm. thinking what it means to invite people to faith. And uh, that has uh, had an interesting implication. I think the emphasis has been placed on the tremendous importance of Christ as Lord and the importance of our obedience to him and of being passionate in being followers of Jesus. And if that's true in our lives, then we will uh, be diligent about uh, our connection with people who aren't disciples and seeking to introduce them to what the Christian faith is all about. Uh, In a previous um, time, there was a tremendous emphasis on uh, belief as the substance of what the Christian faith was all about. So the emphasis was on apologetics, of trying to convince people about the uh, truth of the Christian faith. And uh, I think the emphasis in our time, when it comes to disciple-making, is more on the significance of relationship Hmm. and uh, the the importance of connection with people. Now, in the process, there are some possibilities of things that could be lost. And one is the emphasis on the importance of Scripture hmm. as being the foundation of what faith is all about. Uh, and we've moved to the, the uh, significance of a relationship to the point of saying it's all about love. And it is all about love, but love separated from truth is really not love at all from a Christian hmm. perspective. Right. And, and so the other thing... <clears throat> So, so as a result, maybe we don't put as much emphasis on the importance of, of understanding Scripture in its uh, detailed um, uh, meaning, uh, or even getting to the original meaning and so on. Um, so, uh, you know, we're more practical in terms of how we relate to one another. And the other thing I think that might happen, uh, Darren, is that we lose sight of the significance of the uh, gospel itself hmm. as being the uh, atonement of Jesus for a sin on the cross. And the importance of people recognizing the reality of sin, uh, how important it is for us to come to a place where we see that Jesus died for our sin and open our lives totally and completely oh. to him. Uh, so I think we have to, there's a fine line there between um, obedience to Christ and understanding that first and foremost, 
we need to acknowledge who, who he is and what he did for us on the cross. So that would be something that would be of uh, interest. So I don't think we should, should remove the evangelistic aspect, which in my mind is about communicating the significance of the atonement mm-hmm. and what it means to be a disciple of, of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, as far as well, what you're saying there, it, it sounds a bit like a double-edged sword because an emphasis on relationship and the relational side of Christianity. I mean, we should have something to say to that <laughs> because it, because it is about relationship, but in, in the past, it sounds like, and I certainly grew up in the, in, you know, a little bit of the, the modernistic myself, it was much more mechanical, much more, I would even say corporate, oh, whereas now the right, way we right. do evangelism and disciple yeah. making, which yeah. I, I would include evangelism in that right. has to be relational. Yeah. Like there's, there's no other way. Oh, you're absolutely right. I think what we've come to conclude from as, as a result of postmodernism and the new focus is that, you know, this whole thing, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Hmm. And so this whole emphasis on compassion and really, really identifying, appreciating people for who they are. I always say we not only have to love people, we have to like people. Right. <laughs> we have to realize that that they are they are wonderful. They've been made yeah. in the image of God. There's every reason in the world to really, really appreciate people and like them and realize that they have something to offer our own lives as well, right? <clears throat> yeah. So it's a whole different understanding of uh, uh, people around us, breaking down these barriers, uh, not being as dualistic in our way of thinking as uh, them and us, right? Mm. Being more inclusive. Now that has some some uh, downside <laughs> because we we fail sometimes then to make the distinctions that we need to make from a Christian and biblical perspective. Yeah. But uh, definitely, we have become much more interested in building relationships, which is a foundation to what uh, making disciples is all about. Yeah, yeah, we still will, and and you flag it so well in your book here when it comes down to the issue of truth, you know, and the you know the issue of propositional truth, and uh, how you know when we when we push you know the uniqueness of Christ, mm, <laughs> you know, and and, and the need exactly. for focus on Him that you say to the average postmodern person of our times, this sounds like a whole lot of religious superiority and bigotry. Mm. You know, one of the central tenets of postmodern thought is any claim to all encompassing meta narrative. Uh, is is ludicrous as well as offensive. Yeah, and so exactly. so yeah. we bump up against that because obviously we believe in truth and yeah. the truth, not just my truth, your truth, but absolute truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> it seems to me that relationship can help with that, but still there is a clear line there of truth mm-hmm. that we bump up against. Yeah, yeah. There are some big challenges in this postmodern time when it comes to the communication of what truth is all about because. Uh, in the process of seeking to make disciples, we can just, uh, you know, establish a relationship uh, and invite people into maybe that experience without them fully understanding the implications of what the truth may be as far as their own uh, sin is concerned, their need for, uh, you know, uh, really coming to the cross and the significance of all of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just to try to convince people today about the uniqueness of the Christian faith uh, is a huge challenge. Mm. Uh, and the danger is that we become so encompassing, so inclusive, that we don't make clear distinctions there of what it means to be, 
to really recognize the uniqueness of Jesus and what it means yeah. to follow him. Well, that was part one of two of our conversation with Ed Drulo about disciple-making and postmodernism. Next episode, we'll have the exciting conclusion. We'll have part two of disciple-making and postmodernism. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.